That was the scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Hello and welcome to Alienation, the newcomer podcast. I'm your host, Kenny, and joining me today is my brother and fellow co-host, Michael. Hello, everybody. Today we're going to be discussing from Season 1, Episode 7, The Night of the Screams. It was directed by Gwen Arner and written by Tom Shehawk. It originally aired on October 30th, 1989. And I'm going to give you the episode summary. Sykes and George are assigned to investigate a series of murders in which the victims were drugged into submission and their hands hacked off above the wrists, resulting in their bleeding to death. The duo finds their suspect, an elderly newcomer who's targeted in the overseers, and his purpose is to seek retribution for the atrocities performed on the slaves. George, while having been sworn to uphold the law, finds himself in a difficult position of agreeing with the man philosophically. Sykes decides to let George call the shots on this one. Such a great episode. I can't wait to talk about this one. Yeah, you know what? So, you, you've been talking big. about this, you know, for yeah. a while now, and it's like, I liked it. Yeah. Oh, I, this is one of, probably one of my favorite episodes. It's going to be fun. <laughs> three mutilated bodies in three days has got the chief snapping his suspenders a little bit more than usual. Who's in charge of this task force? Not you. Some guy at a rampart. I believe it's Sergeant Steve Macy. It was in the morning watch report. Yeah, well, anyway, this Macy thinks he needs a newcomer on his team, and he's volunteered you out of my command. Perhaps they felt I could be useful since all the victims are newcomers. Oh, sure, it makes sense. But you think the guy would show a little professional courtesy and ask me if I thought it was a good idea? Oh, he just doesn't appreciate your mind like we do. That's enough out of you, Sykes. You're only on board because your partner's from outer space. No disrespect intended. Matthew, I believe we have a lot of freedom to catch up on. Piece of cake. Three dead newcomers, hands hacked off above the wrist, bodies all over town. All right, we follow up on the one on the dumpster in Slagtown. No disrespect intended. All right, let's go ahead and start with the cast. We have Terry Trejas as Kathy Frankel. Eric Pierpoint as Detective George Francisco. Jeff Duchetti as Burns. Ron Fazler as Captain Brian Grazer. Lawrence Hilton Jacobs as Sergeant Dobbs. James Green, Uncle Moodry. <laughs> I thought you might like reading that Uncle one. Moodry. Love Uncle Moodry. <laughs> Gary Graham as Detective Matt Sykes. Love him, too. Michelle Scarabelli as Susan Francisco. And the return of Molly Morgan as Jill. Yeah, we haven't seen her. Forever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren Woodland as Emily Francisco. And that's it for our main cast. For our guest cast, we have David Apatishu as Paul Revere. Nice. We have Bradford English as Macy. We have James Polk as Richard. And Mitch Pelegi as John Paul Sarti. We have Susan Lavelle as newcomer usher. And then we have Stephen Majewix as the adult tag dot. Jessica Pescos as child tag dot. That's right. That was a fun scene. That was very cool. It was. We'll talk about that too. Yes. I really don't think you have to wash it. Well, we always wash vegetables before we serve them in. We're not going to eat it. Then why are we carving it? Jill said to carve a face in it. It's a Halloween tradition. Oh, like like bopping for apples. Bobbing. Yeah, I guess. Well, now what? We cut it. No! Yeah! We cut it open and rip its insides out. Oh, and you gotta carve a real scary face in it. To ward off the demons. Demons. What is this disgusting tradition? It's Halloween, Mom. The pagan festival celebrating Samhain, the Celtic ruler of death. On the day of the celebration, the people would light hearth fires, often sacrificing small animals or other humans to welcome the return of the dead, according to the encyclopedia. Celine, and they call themselves civilized. All right, so let's go ahead and discuss the episode. Um... Last time, I think what we did is we kind of went through each, the entire episode, and talked about it. I think we should just talk about our favorite scenes this time. So I'm in. Cool. 
first of all, overall, I love this episode. So out of a t- 1 to 10, what are you going to give it? 10 being best, 1 I being... would give it probably an 8. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Close to a 9. I think it's, just, it's very powerful, and it's, there's, it has one of my most favorite scenes of all of Alienation is when George has just had the worst day ever. He's feeling guilty because he's let that guy go, and he goes home, and Emily's all excited because she wants to show or not. She's not excited to show him, but, you know, uh, for her costume. She chose to be an overseer and tattooed her arm. Which is... Uh, drew on her which arm. Which is a no-no. Which is... And just George was having... You know, his, the whole investigation was about this. And he had... An, and he just blew up at her and he dragged her. This, I mean, it was some good acting. Poor Laura Woodland who just got dragged through the living room and the kitchen and thrown into a sink. And I was like, wow, she's... Taking a Brillo pad to her, yeah. much, man. you know, scrub. Ah, yeah, yeah, but he was just so upset, and and I love the whole interaction between Susan and George. And she's like, you know, he doesn't, she doesn't understand. She just knows that they're bad, but she doesn't realize, she doesn't remember being yeah, tormented by them, right? You know, so to her, it was just, it's a bad symbol. Oh, George, there you are. What's the matter? I called you at the office. You weren't there. What is it? Emily, are you all right? I just wanted to scare people. This is the costume she decided to wear to the Halloween party. You're hurting her! Who let her do this? I did. I just wanted to scare her. She doesn't understand. She only knows the feeling you have for them. George! George! She doesn't remember what they were. What they did. My favorite scene it was when um, Susan was carving the pumpkin, oh, and Emily's trying to ex- trying too. to explain it to her. You know what what Halloween's about. Yeah, um, you would think they would know since they've been there for five years. They've had five Halloween. But remember, they were in coordinate. They were being um, in quarantine. Quarantine. Were they? Yes. Were they? Okay, maybe that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, they were in quarantine a long time. It took them a while to get out of quarantine. So poor Susan's just doesn't know what to do with this pumpkin and you know and emily's saying oh yeah you gotta mutilate it and yeah, the really insides out, you know? <laughs> and she's like this poor vegetable what, what are we yeah. doing to it you know and uh yeah. it was just real funny because at the when the scene cuts to the end to the end of the scene you can see her she stabs a knife into the pumpkin you hear that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, gosh, like, i just did that so that was kind of cool for me and if we're going to mutilate this vegetable we better do it before your father gets back It was. And any scene with Uncle Mujeri, so he's in it too. And I, I'd... He plays a big part in this because he actually, you know, there's like two storylines going on. There's the whole, uh, they're finding bodies with hands cut off. I guess we are going to talk about the episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got it. We got to do it. I, <laughs> but, just, we're going to be all over the place. We just did our favors. Yeah, we so did our favors. So now we can talk about them. Yeah, the, so the, the basic of the story is the guy, There's they're finding bodies. So far there's four bodies with their hands, or there's three at this right. point, with their hands cut off. And um, Emily's gets a story from Uncle Mujeri, which is like a legend among the newcomers about this uh, demon called uh, Tagdot who would chop off, you know, people's hands. And let them bleed to death. And let them bleed to death and sit there and watch it and laugh. Mm-hmm. But then he would cry because there was nowhere, no more people to kill. There was no one left. So right. he would cry over their bodies. Guess what? I was invited to a Halloween party tomorrow night. You shouldn't go. Why not? It's going to be fun. No one should leave the house until it passes. What passes? What are you being so weird about? In time, you'll learn about Tag.Kotahaya. Oh? He rises among his people on the third rotation of the equinox when the paraxial sun is in line. Me? Yeah. What does he do? He fills the night with screams. There are many stories about Tagdot, but only one theme prevails. Evilness consumed by madness. His darkness lives in the hearts and minds of all Tanktonese. He was a conqueror with fire in his hands and steel in his heart. 
He expected adulation, and when our great fathers gave him none, the night broke with their cries as his army spread through the cities, destroying all life in their path. And they were merciless. Hands were severed, and their victims painfully bled to death. Body upon body lined the streets, and he walked among the bodies. Thousands upon thousands of bodies, and he cried. He cried not for what he had done, but because there were no more to destroy. And now is the time for Tagdar to return, and again walk among his people. Nah. What do you mean, nah? It's a legend. It's truth. Sure, it is. It was a very nice story. I mean, it's a horrible story. It's something. To, it's a scary story. At well, that's just like ours and like the headless horse. Yes, thing in a yeah, yeah. It's that you type know, of it's thing. The same type. It's of based on. It's based on real events. Right. Just tweaked to make it more well, just supernatural. Like, just like our yep. society. So. Yeah. So it's so their so, fear. Yeah. So we get that. So it's kind of like you're like, oh wait a minute, George is investigating this. You know, these people getting their hands cut off. This guy. Cuts off hands, so like people are getting a little freaked out. Yeah, the two, the two stories come together when uh, em, Emily wants to go to the party. You know, Susan's been worried because she's been hearing Muji talk about the tag dot right. incident, and she's freaking out about it. Here. And George is like, you know, Muji, stop scaring my family. You know, and he's like, well, and then Muji tries to explain it, and it clicks with George, like, oh my, he's talking about guys missing their hands. Yeah, oh yeah. my gosh, these guys this are missing their hands. Happening. Yeah, honey. We are not in Little Tankton anymore. I am sure she will be properly supervised and safe. I know. It's just... What? Well, it's just that it's that time of the year. What about the time of the year? Well, Mudri's been reminding us of Tag Dot. You know, the night of the screams? It's that time of the year. <laughs> Tag Dot. That old myth. <laughs> Susan. That is just make-believe. It is a story like Crosney and Gleeby. You don't believe in Gleeby? Michael! We're discussing it! What? What are we discussing? What did Mudry say? I merely reminded this family of Tadot's reign of terror. Mudry, I don't think you need to terrorize this family with ghost stories about a madman who cuts up his own... people. Are they just stories, George? So then all of a sudden, that's all George is thinking about, is that it's either someone... Obviously, I don't think George really thinks it's Tag Dot, but he must think this guy is imitating. He's a copycat. Even goes further back when Kathy's having nightmares. Oh, that's right. About the ship. Yeah. And in the beginning, it shows an overseer with a smirk walking with a bull, but you don't see what's inside the bull. Yeah, she just screams. Yeah, she just screams. Come to find out, it's hands. Yes. So it's as the drug, the gas, it subdues them, they also use an extra... Method it's just play mind to, tricks to really them. scare them and yeah. to think they Tag take Dot. yeah they're taking Tag Dot's legend and, and they're actually making it real to, in their minds because the overseers are outnumbered yes ten thousand to one yeah this is actually the first episode where we actually hear it right so they are they outnumbered are. ten thousand one so they had to use different techniques and ways to yeah because not the gas wasn't working I guess on everybody right so people were able to you know which makes sense because if you, if you breathe something long enough. Your body's going to adjust to it, it right. and it's not going to affect you like with medicine. And then we did learn something new about the overseers. The tattoo repels them from the gas. That's right. The overseers. Why are they tattoos? I was told that it neutralized the gas. On the ship, it was a symbol they wore righteously. Now it's their scar of damnation. I did write that down in my yes, notes. That was, that, was, that, down that was very cool because I hadn't, I hadn't totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah but, but Kathy also says they were told. They think. They don't know. But it would make sense because they weren't affected by the gas. Right. So how would they not be affected by the gas? Something in the tattoo that would prevent it from, you know, getting into their system. Yeah, it was, it was just nice because now you're starting to learn more and more about... Yes. Just them as in general, you know? Yeah. Like, That's uh, what I liked about the story is that it, even though it's about a human holiday, about Halloween, it was very much about the history of the Tanktonese. Which was cool. Which was awesome. And then, of course, I'm a big Kathy fan, as, as all you guys know, and she was in this prominently, and her and Matt had this thing going because 
like Michael mentioned, she has that nightmare and she's waking up and she's just terrified and she's screaming. And Matt comes to her rescue. But he's a knight in you know shining white armor. Well, well he thinks that she's uh, you know something's wrong. She's really screaming behind the door. She's and like bloody murder. And he's pounding on the door. He's like, I'm gonna break it down. I have a gun if anyone's in there. And then she only opens the door part way. Goes, Is there a guy behind the door telling you to say this? <laughs> and she has a look on her face like she like totally confused. Okay, no, yeah, she, doesn't, have a she clue doesn't understand what he's trying yeah. to do. We all understand, yeah, of course. but she doesn't have a clue what a lot he's of talking about. Too. And, and Lots a lot of flirtation too. Lots. That's what I loved about it. Yeah. You just know they just they're so into each other. You can see a connection. Like yeah. Yeah, I'm busting down the door if you don't answer me. And I have a gun if there's some psycho in there with you. I'm... I'm okay. You always scream when you're okay? It was, um, just a bad dream. Is that some guy behind this door making you say that? I'd invite you in, but uh, oh, I'm, I'm a little tired. No, no, it's okay. I just uh, I heard you freaking out, and I thought, uh, uh, I don't know, it's a crazy neighborhood. <laughs> I feel better knowing that you're nearby. Sure. Well, if you have another bad one, uh, just down the hall. Huh? Thank you. Matt's confused. He's right. he probably could, he really is because you know he was kind of a bigot in the beginning of oh, this. And now all of a sudden he has attraction to a newcomer. A newcomer, you know. So, it's, but you got to think for he's been, but but he's been involved with them a lot. He know? has, yes, with the whole Francisco family, the Frisco so family, being used to them, taking in that one girl that one yep. time, you know, and just yeah. helping. You know, he's yeah. been more and more involved in their in their lives. Yeah, so. yeah. Like you said, in time you adapt and you'll. Yep. So I think he's adapting to him and you know yeah. accepting himself, which is good. I mean, but, but you know, he has his laps also. Because you think, oh, he's so good. but then, That's why I love him. <laughs> but then he'll go back and do something stupid. And I, I think that's just Matt. That's just his character. That's his trait. He's that's just, what he does. He can be a jerk sometimes. He doesn't, I don't think he does it on purpose. But that's what offsets George and him. That's, that's true. why they work so well. Yes. I think. Because right. he's the straight arrow, Gennaro George is. Yeah. And Matt's like, eh. Go by the cuff. Know, let's let's uh, yeah. wipe that under the Yeah. You know. Yeah, no one will see. Yeah, no Take one some see. money. Yeah, Wait, don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. No one ever <laughs> yeah. Like, Go ahead, take some. You know? Yeah, yeah. George's like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which brings me to where he finds the gentleman, Paul Revere. Yeah. And it also, it finally clicks that this Paul Revere is a guy that's. Killing. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. There, there's. There Don't explain that. You you were talking to me about that. You were like, this, <laughs> they all should die. So go ahead. I, oh no no. I'm just this. They they find some tire tracks and they find out it's from a red truck and there's like seven uh, newcomers out there. Ninety two Yankee. Oh, very good. Good memory. <laughs> I remember that. Um, yeah. So they find that truck and there's like seven uh, newcomers and there's two that are potential people and they go to one of them and he's an older man. Really, and he has some disease that it's like bone a brittle disease. bone. Yeah, yeah. It's like a brittle bone thing, and so they're like, "Well, of course, this guy is not hacking off hands." He's like, he can't even. He's like, "I can't even." Yeah, he can't even. Crippled up. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then maybe about fifteen minutes later, George realizes that it's him. From there's some evidence, and he just he just knows that's this guy. Well, there was pictures on the fridge. Remember, he says he does yeah, research yeah, for the he does research for the library, and you know George is looking at the fridge. He's looking. Yeah, he realized he realized at the time, even yes. though he left. Right, when some clicked, boom. Yeah, so he went there by himself. Matt was looking all throughout the precincts for George. George went there by himself to arrest this guy, and this guy goes into a, a brilliant speech about, you know, taking revenge. I'm arresting you for the murders of four unidentified newcomers, overseers. And I have the names of all the Clisensons I exterminated. They were very carefully researched. You have the right to remain silent. No one has the right to remain silent. No one has the right to forget about the atrocities. And no one has the right to take the law into his own hands. Are you our future judge? Tempered by laws we didn't write? Forgetful about the hell they created? I haven't forgotten. You have! You don't remember your parents that were torn from you. Just killing the they did they these overseers. Yes, they're horrible people. And I turned to Michael and I'm like, it's hard for me not to agree with the old man. You know, yes, I mean, killing someone is horrible, but 
it's just impossible to to take yourself out of there. They the the atrocities that they did to these poor people, I just I couldn't see. And you can see it in George's face. Oh yeah, he he, he is so torn at this point because yeah. he grabs him by the wrist and gets ready to cuff him, and then the. Paul Revere is explaining, is telling him, and George, you can see it. Yeah, George has a like, little, has this a, guy is has doing what we want to do, you yeah. know? Yeah, George has a flashback, which we'll talk about in the behind the scenes, but he has his flashback, and he's just like, you're right. You're, not, you're right. You're right, and he, un- he uncups you. him. And that that goes to my point where he's so straight arrow, and this time he he's... Yeah, he really fought. But he's that's like, what I loved about I this episode, is that you can just see it, and he doesn't have to say anything. It's all in his expression, it's all in his actions, and it's in a matter of two, three minutes. Yep. You see the struggle of him trying to figure out what do I do? What is what is morally right and what is legally right? Right. You know, and I, I like I was telling my brother, I don't know what I don't. I honestly can't tell you what I would have done. It'd be it'd be even tough for me. I, I don't see. Know. I probably would have let him go. I mean, that's see? I, I probably would have, and I probably I know it's too. not right. But this guy tortured our people. The, yes. These people. He's tortured. doing something. Good. I mean, these new overseers, uh, the ones that we've come in co- contact with, horrible. they're horrible people. They're still somehow drug de- dealers, or they're you know they're still controlling. They think they're better than yeah. They just yeah. They're, they're just horrible people. Very bad. Very, and they've very done bad. atrocities. But then again, towards the end of the episode, you know, um, one of oh Muji, of course it's Muji because he's so wise. Uncle Muji. He's talking to George, and he's you know saying you know what these they'll die out. You know, there will be no more overseers eventually. I would like to be alone, Mudri. I need to think. You need to talk. Let the thinking out. George, the weight on your shoulders might grow a little lighter. I didn't know there was so much hatred in me. For the Klesansu. Their evil gave birth to legends. Their evil is real. And should never be forgotten. George, they will all disappear in time. That's not what matters. The Tag Dot and his armies are gone and will never return. But the evil, vile spirit that Tag Dot had within him is within all of us, even you and me. What we must do is fight it. With stories? Myths? Our myths, our legends, are rooted in truth, young man. They have survived to remind us of who we are and where we have to go and the standards we should live by. And I'm like, okay, right. you know what? So logical. That is so right. And now I'm thinking, maybe, maybe I wouldn't do what do what this old man was doing because oh. he is right. Right. He is right. They will die out eventually. There will be no more overseers. Unfortunately, we'll have to just suffer a little bit more with them. But I think the old man, because he is old, I think he's probably experienced so much more than oh yeah at the time. You know how much they've done. I mean, he may have been. They've scarred him. He may have been on the, the homeworld so long. Remember for being on the ship so malnutrition. long. Malnutrition. Yep. For, I mean, so a lot of you got to think about it, a lot of the effect this poor guy here. Yeah. You know, so I think he was just really extreme, and he just had so much hate and anger. You know, and I and I don't blame him. It's like. It's a, ready, it's ready? a very it's like Hayden Christensen in for Star Wars. You know, he had so much hate and anger. He just you know, he just went to the dark yeah, side. Yeah, but he went to the wrong side. Let's say yeah. my Star Wars reference. I'm just saying. <laughs> but my point is, you know, he just that yeah. fueled him. Yeah. So he had to do it. You yeah. Know? And, and and this that's what this guy. Now there was nothing in that can change Paul Revere's oh, God, mind. No. no. At all. You nothing. know. And, and I mean, because look at the end. He that's what it. He even says at the end. He goes, "Well, if I can't do my work. I can't do. Yep." I can't do my work behind jail. Can't be, yep. And that's it. And he goes and he jumps off a balcony and kills himself. He does a swan dive. And yeah. I thought he was sleeping, but my brother says he's dead. <laughs> he looked pretty broken up on the chairs at the bottom there. I gave him an 8.5 <laughs> the release, though. So. Stop right there. Put the gun down, Paul. You know I can't do that. If you don't put the gun down, I will have to fire. He's please on soup. Put the gun down going to arrest me on four counts of murder who will complete my work what you're doing it's wrong exterminating the exterminators it has to be done not if it means becoming like them Thor put it down My work cannot be accomplished if I am behind bars. 
If I can't do my work, what good am I? No! Um, yeah, so that's how the, the story ends. And the, but then you have the overseer that he was trying to attack in the movie theater. He comes Arrogant, off. Arrogant, pompous, oh, just my a God, he's if I, ass. Yeah, whole that's, part of <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it's he was just horrible. And George pulls the gun on them and almost pulls the trigger. And that being the awesome guy that he is, is like <laughs> I'll meet you I'll downstairs. See you downstairs. <laughs> He doesn't stop him. He was going to let him. He was going to let him do it. And George, again, just incredible acting by Eric Pierpoint. You see click, click on his gun. Uh, he was so close. And then he's, I can't be one of them. And he releases it, he's, goes up to him, walks past him, says something. And then the, the snide remark that the newcomer or the overseer says, something about, you know, they're so easily controlled or blah, blah, blah. You don't, oh, I don't know. It was something horrible. I was so sick and of my stomach. And you could see Matt's face. Man. Matt was, yeah. He's like, Really? Yep. He's all, well, I'll do something that, you know, he goes, I'm not George. Yeah. And clocks him. <laughs> just gets knocks him. Knocks him down. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was so, it was so uh, rewarding. Yeah. Well, I'll be downstairs, code for that backup. It's all right. They bit complicated, but they're so simplistic. He was about to blow your face off. <laughs> you don't know those people? They were bred to lick our boots. I'm sorry, you have to work with one? <laughs> I guess I don't know him. But I know me. It's another one of my favorite mats. You yes. Know, I like that. This episode, Matt, Matt was... So good. He was great. He was so good. Not that he's never bad. I mean, he's sometimes he's so annoying because he's so bigoted. And you're like, you learn so much, and then you just throw it out the window. <laughs> this one, he was constant. He was a good guy. There's a little flirting with Kathy. He was really sweet to the Francisco family. It just all kind of he worked really well in this episode. And I forgot we we are in mourning. Um, Matt's translator died. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Moment of silence for the translator. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, the, the really quick scene, he's walking through the hallway, right. and it's not working. He's like, that's it. And he tosses it, it and throws it on the ground, it breaks. So yep, The translator it, died. Yes, bit the dust. No more translator. Um, I also want to touch base on um, Emily's at school with Jill. Yes. And she's talking about costumes. and She's know, excited. Halloween. She, she's really, yeah, really excited about it. And, you know, these boys are, like, in the background doing something. And you know it can't be good. Emily's kind of looking. Jill's like, what? Jill turns around, and it's a newcomer mask. Yeah. So, which is weird. Which kind of look like Emily. Right. Yeah. So, do they have human masks in for the newcomers? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of... I don't know. Is that more of... Is that a knock at them because you know, of the Halloween mask? I, I'm not sure how to take that. I didn't know how to take that as, as an insult. It's. A, I'm sure it's an insult. Well, obviously, because the boys were doing it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in no, the reality no, of it, though... I don't you know. know. But people wear Ronald Reagan masks or right. Bill Clinton masks. So, you know, I mean, it's just part of the culture. You know, that's, I don't, see, the kids I were doing it as an, as assault. an assault. Oh, but yeah. See, I don't kids know, were being but I, don't, but I don't know if, you know. But making a mask, I just think if you want to go as a newcomer, I think it'd be funny. Yeah. You know? I mean, look at us. You dress as a hobbit. Yeah, I dress that's as right. John. You know, are we insulting? No, I'm appreciating no, yes, what they right. are. That's right. So, so that, we can look at it that way. <laughs> that's how I looked at yeah. it. I but mean, the kids the boys, were, no, the boys right. were being idiots. They right. were they were teasing Emily, which was horrible. But I'm with you. Yeah. But I just, you know, I thought I'd throw that in there. So Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like I said, one of my favorite episodes. I had so much fun watching it, and I, I, the next few episodes are going to be incredible. He was excited because he kept going. You remember this? Look at I was. You ready? You see that? Do you remember that? And I go. He was trying to guess. I'm like, what are you saying? And I'm like, nope, you know? that's not it. And also, uh, let me touch point with Paul Revere, the older gentleman. Um, once they found out he was the murderer, he he used that tag dot as a yes, like a like a like a smoke screen, smoke screen, a, yeah, to yeah. just you know, because that's what George everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is the yeah. season now, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just ironic. Halloween is ours, and it's the three moons of whatever yeah, they were yeah. talking about, the paradox or whatever it was, and it was that time, and uh, so he did it 
Same thing like they did on the ship. You know, he used Tag Dot as that. Yep. So he did that. But once they found out, what did he do? He had a revolver. He had a gun. That's like, it. I got to take these guys out. I don't have yeah. much time. So but yeah. He knew he was in Yeah, because George, George's guilty conscience got to him eventually. And he, not even eventually. Well, it's probably know. like 10 hours later. I'm not even sure if it's a guilty conscience. It's more of him. He knows that that's what he's supposed to do. He's a police officer. Well, yeah, but he didn't do it the first time. Right. So well, it was guilt. That was, because that's what, right, that's the whole right. Emily being upset with Emily. Because he was just having a really crappy day. Right. And then finally he comes to, after Uncle Mujri, of course, has a nice, good heart-to-heart with Uncle Mujri. He's like, I got to do what's right. And he goes to arrest the guy who is gone. And that's what leads us to the theater. Yeah, okay, you're right. You so know, it was guilty. Because he didn't feel guilty. He's like, I'm going to report it, put it in report that I screwed up. And, I and, re- and Matt and goes, nope, nope, don't need nope. to do that. <laughs> I, I kept, like Michael was saying, Michael actually said it, you're only human. And I'm like, that would have been a perfect mind if they would have used that. He didn't say that, but. It would have been cool. He was still very comforting to George. And like, you know, don't worry about it. We all, we all do it. You he know. says you get that feeling here in, in your, your heart and yeah. chest and you went with your gut. Yep. You know, and sometimes That's you have to waiting. do. You're only human. I was just yep. waiting for it, but he didn't. But he did. Good. But it was a really good line because you said, I think, right at that moment. Yep. I was like, oh, that would have been perfect. <laughs> would have been perfect. You dub it in there somehow. <laughs> Matthew. I should have arrested Mr. Revere. I intend to include my error in a report to Captain Grazer. Save the paperwork, George. So far, no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I am sorry. And I owe you an apology. You're not a machine, George. You got a gut. Sometimes it kicks you into feeling things you're not sure about. Yeah, very, very fun episode. And of course, we have the end, which uh, I didn't even realize it until this up. Ep- this viewing is the first time I noticed what it was. I knew what it was. You knew instantly, right off the bat. And especially, I just thought it was it's this little girl. Uh, you know, George and, and Susan have their conversation. Someone knocks at the door. He opens the door, and it's this giant thing in a black drape thing with a plastic, horrible-looking face. And Michael's like, oh, it's Tag Dot. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, it is Tag Dot. And then, of course, it's a little newcomer girl. And, of course, she would dress up as, as Tag, Tag Dot. Dot. As, because now, that's a scary costume. Right. For, for, them, it, for, for newcomers. Them, right. Yes. And so I was like, that is genius. I Because never... George, at first, he's... You know, yeah, he's yeah. Like surprise yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, and a little head pops out. Yeah, a little head. And he starts Mary. laughing, you know. Yeah. So I think he understands. Yeah. You know? yeah. He's kind of like, oh my gosh, okay. You know, yeah. That's, that's scary. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. kid's costume. Tap it was drive. so good. It was great. I just can't believe after 20 years, I never realized that. Until... And I can't believe after 20 years, I got it <laughs> right away. <laughs> but yeah, so um, excellent episode. Lots of fun. Really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I know my brother says, you know, I'm, a, you know, he sometimes he goes, I'm not a fan of this one. At the very end, oh, I really like this one. So he's like, he likes everyone, but I, I actually really like this episode. So uh, I give it. I'm gonna say out of, I'm gonna say strong eight and a half, man. Oh, good. Out of ten. That's what I. Yeah. I, I really liked it. Cool. Good stuff. All right. Hey. Hi, Kathy. What do you know about a guy named Tag Dot? You okay? Maybe you better come in. If you're in the middle of something. No, no, please. Come in. There are many legends, stories about Tagdot. Our myths were deeply woven into our culture. Same here, I guess. On the slave ship, the Klesonsun overseers, they used the stories against us. We lived in our bed racks, thousands of corridors of bed racks, stacked a hundred stories high, all fanning out like spokes on a wheel from a central hub. The overseers were charged with maintaining order. They pumped gas to keep us submissive. But submission was not easy for some. Since we landed, I've heard that there was a group that acclimated themselves to the gas and tried to organize a revolt on the ship. Uh, yes, you had to have had them outnumbered. What, a thousand to one? Ten times that. That's why they had to strike at our weakest line of defense. Our minds. Already vulnerable from the gas, they twisted our history. This became real. Overseers became demons. More dangerous and powerful than all of us together. Fear became more painful than death.
All we had to do to escape the torture was lay back and breathe the gas. And that's what I did. All right, it's time for some behind the scenes. I'll do the first one. My Darling Clementine, which is a 1946 film, was showing on the screen in the movie theater with the voices of Henry Fonda and Walter Brennan dubbed in Tinktonese. Ripple! Marsh Neighbor! Thomas Von Clanton, Stila Clark Leeway. Which was kind of funny because there was only two people in the movie theater. <laughs> well, plus the overseer was up top on the balcony. Right. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was neat. I was first thing I told my brother, I go, what do you hear? <laughs> I'm like, what the heck is that? It was kind of neat because you know how you watch some films, they dub in Spanish yeah. or French. Or Dubbed in English. Now or... it's in Tecton. So yep. it was kind of cool. Yeah. We also learned George had a third child. Taken by the overseers while still on the ship. You don't remember your parents that were torn from you. Did you lose one, George? Is there a child they want you to forget? Yeah, it's a storyline that they really never picked up on. Yeah, and also it, it was never addressed again. This is yep, the only time. This is it, it, which is really weird. But it's in that scene. This is what you were talking about. Susan's in the background too. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is the scene where I think um, uh, Paul Revere is talking to him, and my brother mentioned this. Yeah, and this is where he has that flashback. Yes, and it's him on the ship. And it's an overseer grabbing him away, yeah. and you see a child, daddy, daddy, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and, it, it, and my brother goes, "Is that Susan in the back?" Goes, oh my gosh, it is. It is so, Susan. So we're assuming that it's their first child, first child, older than Buck, yeah, obviously, yeah. So, and it, I think that's what gets George to let, yeah, him go in in the beginning. Oh, it does. That's what he's like. It's what they did to him, took they were kid away, you know. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, very, a very cool scene. Very cool. I also read that Kenneth Johnson has said that this is one of the most powerful episodes of Alienation ever produced. And I agree with him. Just the whole subject matter of right and wrong and morally right and, like I said, legally right and the struggle with that. And I think this is one of Eric Pierpoint, who plays oh, George yeah. Francisco, one of his best yep. performances. I agree. You know, he was right on spot on with his emotions yeah. i mean it was just perfect yeah oh yeah i also read that eric said he really enjoyed this episode but it was very exhausting oh you can because, see it yeah it's just so emotionally draining he, you know he he enjoyed the lighter side of their joking right but when it got really serious it just it was it, though it's fun you know playing that kind of character but it was just very exhausting because it was a it was he it did, takes he, a lot he had a really deep role yeah i think you know what i mean just yeah just in, it was just deep yeah so. And also, during the first take, Emily bobbing for apples, her prosthetic head filled with water because of the ear holes. Yep. I didn't know that. And my brother said that right off the bat. He's going, yeah, the little slit in their ears. Yeah. Yeah, because they have to hear still. Right, So they put little slits in there. And what happened is is she did her first take and she put her head down in the water. And all of a sudden she came up and there was water pouring out because her whole head was full of water. That is a new meaning to sponge head. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Very true. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, and then our last one is Gary Graham uh, says this was one of his favorite episodes. This is also the first time that he was ever directed by a woman. Said, uh, you know, he was kind of being cocky when she first came on set. And, you know, because, you know, he never was directed it's by female, a woman. Right. And he said halfway through it, he realized that she actually knew what she was doing. And actually she was better than most of the male directors he's ever worked with. So that's why he, and he had one of the best experiences. Respected her yeah. right yep. then and there. Yep. Boom. And he has one of the best experiences ever. And, and he's talking... Not career, even after right. alienation, the best experiences ever was with her. That she, you know, and I think it shows on but, screen. But then, that's what I was telling my brother. I go, well, look how good this this yeah. was. I yeah. mean, that goes to show you. I'm not saying that you know, I'm you know, I'm all about equal, you know. But I'm just saying she just if it's she knew that, it, she knew it. Everything was perfect with it. Right. The writing, the, acting, the directing, the acting. Everything. It all came together really Perfect. well. Yeah. 
Yeah, very cool. All right, we have one of the funny newcomer names in this episode. Do you want to read it? Uh, sure. It's Paul Revere, Paul Revere. I think I've only mentioned that 15 times. Was an American silversmith, early industrialist, and patriot in the American Revolution. He's most famous for alerting colonial militia of approaching British forces before the battles of Lexington and Concord. As dramatized in Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem, Paul Revere's Ride. Yep, the British are coming, the British are coming. He's that guy. That's cool. That's Paul Revere. See, you learn. It's educational too, people. (laughs) Educational. Do you think we're too late? Let's go. John Pulsart. Is he here? You want to protect him? That's the plan, lady. Is he here? Why do you want to protect him? I am a police officer. You are cargo. And your husband is Klisansun. I am well aware of that. Look, lady, tell us where he is, or ID him later at the morgue. He doesn't need your help. Fine. Let's get out of here. Matt. Our job requires us to protect your husband. I know what he is. I despise what he did to us on the ship, and forgiveness is impossible. But if you do not cooperate with us, I will arrest you for obstructing justice. I will throw you in a hole downtown and prosecute you as far as the law will allow me. Now, where is your husband? All right, you can find Alienation Podcast all over the internet. We have a Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Alienation Podcast. You also can reach us at Twitter at Alienation Cast. Yes, and you can do my personal Twitter at GeekyFanboy. You can do my personal Twitter at MasterJedi1975. That's right. So uh, drop us a line, follow us, and say hi to us. We also have a website, which is alienationpodcast.com. You can go there. You can find all our show notes, uh, anything, plot descriptions. I mean, I put almost everything on there. So definitely check it out. So we're not hiding anything. Stop by and leave us a comment. Yes, comments. If you have any thoughts on this episode or you just want to drop us a line or... Yeah, we love getting comments from people. You know, you can reach us at uh, alienationpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and we love getting stuff. So if you guys want to send us we're starting. We're starting to see it. I've, I've seen... Uh, I got it. We have a question. We, we definitely have... Yeah, we've been getting uh, comments on our Facebook page. Yep. And we're getting tweets. And so it's fun. It's fun to see uh, so we're very, our listener audience growing. So And I'm very happy that you guys are listening because we enjoy doing it. I mean, <laughs> my brother it. really we enjoys would do, it. We would do it regardless. If, if nobody is listening. Yeah. I mean, even if we had our 10 listeners, we would do it. But our numbers have been steadily growing uh, every podcast. And it's just so good that word's getting out there that there is an alienation podcast and the old school fans are finding it and uh, really enjoying it. So, uh, But speaking of reviews... We uh, on iTunes, you can leave us reviews, and if you leave us a review there, that actually throws us into charts. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. I think we both agree it was one of our uh, top twenty favorites. Well, since there was only <laughs> twenty, so. no, as as of to date, yes, it's in my top. No, I think it's right definitely there. one of my favorite episodes yeah. of the series. Just for the the acting alone was incredible. It, so, it's um, good. Yeah. All right, cool. So uh, I guess we'll talk to you uh, later. But before we go, always remember. When bobbing for apples, make sure you have your earplugs in. (laughs) Talk to you later. (laughs) Bye. Hi. Hi. How did it go? Great. The human children were very impressed with Em's ability to bob for apples. (laughs) So she made some friends. Yes, and she ate three pounds of candy, and uh, and she scared herself silly, and she went to bed with a stomach ache. This Halloween is fun. She said it was the best party she'd ever been to. What about you? You look very tired. Uh, it has been difficult, but it is over. I'm glad. I'm not too sure I understand this Halloween ritual. Check out the latest podcast to hit this quadrant, The Geek Roundtable. Join hosts Kenny and Charles as they sit down with fellow geeks to talk 
Well, geek. Star Wars, Star Trek, cosplay, fantasy, anime, Firefly, even My Little Pony. If it's geeky, we'll discuss it. King Arthur had his roundtable for his knights. And now it's time for us geeks to have ours. Come join in the fun and geek out with the Geek Roundtable. Find us on iTunes by searching The Geek Roundtable. Or visit our website, thegeekroundtable.com. Have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom? If so, the Anomaly Podcast may be right for you. In clinical studies, Anomaly's interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly Podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. Geekily active cool guys should listen, too. Anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee. Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of Anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant golf clap, out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over the counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, Zune, and Blackberry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by JewelBeat.com It's been called the best sci-fi fandom documentary since Trekkies. Four stars, says Brian Orndorff of DVDTalk.com Costuming, gaming, comics, collecting, and everything else in between. If you're a fanboy, you've gotta see Pegworms. The geeks shall inherit the earth. Well, there's still the stereotype out there that we're a bunch of geeks who live in our parents' basements. 35-year-old living in the mom's basement, yes. Uh, that's the typical stereotype. I'm in my mid-30s and I still read comics and I tell people that I read comics and they look at me sideways. You know, I don't volunteer that I played D&D because, you know, people do sometimes look at you like, hmm. Today I'm dressed up as a Jedi Knight. Jedi Knights are the uh, guardians of peace and justice and uh, in a time like this I think we need uh, more of them. A lot of us are geeks who live in our parents' basements, but, you know, we're harmless. We don't walk around with uh, propellers on top of our hats. It's not really anything to be ashamed about. Yes, I make lightsabers in my basement. I don't care who knows. We do it because we like it, not as much as because somebody else likes it. If they want to have fun, dress up as a Klingon, why not, you know? You may think I'm a geek or a loser, but I'm having fun at it. It's, it's what makes me happy, and, I, you know, I, I could be spending my money on crack. Ordinary, common, average, run-of-the-mill, these are synonyms for, for normal. Who the hell wants to be average? I know that I'm a loser, I know that I'm a geek, but it makes me happy. <laughs> shall inherit the earth. Now available on DVD at www.pegwarmers.tv. Hey guys, I'm Kenny. And I'm Teal. And we're here today to talk about a brand new companion cast for a fantastic new web series called My Gimpy Life. My Gimpy Life is loosely based on my life and the awkward situations I encounter being an actress with a disability in Hollywood. Yes, and I'll be on set every day bringing you live interviews from cast and crew members. So stay tuned for the brand new companion cast for My Gimpy Life. Bye! On September 22, 2004, Oceanic Flight 815 left Sydney, Australia, bound for Los Angeles and crashed on a remote and mysterious island somewhere in the South Pacific. The survivors quickly realized this was no ordinary island. 
The groundbreaking Emmy Award-winning drama Lost ran on ABC television from September 22, 2004 to May 23, 2010, and remains to this day one of the greatest television series of all time. Relive every moment of this amazing series as we reopen the hatch and take you deep inside each episode of this epic series. My name is Joyce. And I'm Al. And on our show, Lost Flight 815, we'll cover each episode of this immensely popular series in a unique way. We'll watch the show as we record and share our thoughts and Lost facts while you listen to the episode with us. So tune in to the Lost 815 podcast and visit us on the web at www.lostflight815.com and relive one of the greatest shows of all time. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at LostFlight815. Hi, I'm Kevin Batchelder. I'm Wendy Hembrock. And I'm Brent Barrett. And we're the hosts of a new podcast called Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV. Where we discuss sci-fi and genre shows currently on television and some from the past. We're fans just like you, so join us in our water cooler and back porch discussions of your favorite shows. And strangely enough, you can find us online at tuningintosci-fi-tv.com. Be seeing you. Wait a minute, isn't that what Bester says on Babylon 5? Maybe. I never watched Babylon 5. What? So you're a sci-fi geek who missed one of the best shows ever? Hey, hey, no details, no spoilers. I'm still catching up on DVD myself. Besides, we're not really experts or critics. We kind of think of ourselves more like guides or sci-fi Sherpas. I don't carry anyone's luggage, though. Yeah, me either. We're what we like to call the viewer's digest for genre TV. Yes, we're interested in the conversation shows generate. And speaking of sci-fi Sherpas, where would you find one of those? Mmm, Craigslist? Oh... See what I have to deal with? Alien Nation, the Newcomers Podcast, is a geeky fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, works 3.0, United States license, all rights reserved. And we're... We have Eric Pierpoint as the torture... <laughs> as the adult tagged... We also learned that Jorah... All right, let's go do it head. Blah, blah. All right, let's go ahead. We have. A... All right, let's go ahead, and we have actually one fun new camp. The heck is wrong with me? Wow! 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 <laughs>